I could hear everything going on around me, but I was just wiped completely out and couldn't couldn't move. And uh, I don't know how long it was after that. Thirty minutes. Uh, the Lord spoke to me and says, "You can get up now." Boy, I raised up out of that seat. You know, and when I think about it, I'm always thinking I'm over here. It's real funny. It's in my memory. It's I'm over here, but I was right there. But when I raised up out of the seat, I felt real refreshed, and I looked around. Most of the church was gone, you know, and and uh, I just fell over in the floor. I just remember just. I mean, I felt great for just a second, and then all of a sudden, I just collapsed in the floor. At that point, they could pick me up and carry me out. And they carried me to my car. How many of you have been carried out to the car from a service? See, there's a bunch of you had never experienced this. <laughs> it's really of God. <laughs> you know, at that time, I was a real estate man carrying 60% market share out of Lake Tanglewood in Amarillo. And I was very much into my business and everything else in life. And then all of a sudden, God just blew all that up. You know what I mean? At that time, I mean, I was carrying that market share. And uh, from that day forward, I wasn't worth a dime as a realtor. I promise you. I mean, I, I, I part-time real estate for several more years, but I, I started preaching. I went, started preaching out, uh, well, I, you know, to not blow all that away, I spent seven more hours like that, wiped out that night. It was 11 and a half hours that, uh, that God was just cook had me in his oven cooking me. How many of you want to be in God's oven you know, that's a good place to be. You know, because when he burns you up and turns you into a bowl of ashes, then he can do something with you. Up until that point, you're still in control. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I was a Christian. I, you know, I was in all kinds of ministry and stuff at Trinity Fellowship and uh, very busy. I loved my family. I was very consumed with my family, consumed with my business, and consumed with my work. And I was consumed with my ministry. I had a lot of ministry in the church, so I was consumed with everything but God. <laughs> and uh, that night, God just changed my whole life. So this is my birthing place right here, right there in that seat. Yeah, yeah, I ought to. <laughs> It'd be nice if I could just cut that little piece off, you know, and take it with me, <laughs> take it back there, put it in the, you know, in the entry of our mission center there in Manila. But you know, since that time, God put us in the ministry over there, and we have a a school of missions. And be honest with you, you know, for God to take me in particular and put me into a school and make me the president of that school. That was just absolutely beyond my comprehension because, you know, how many of you uh, have ever felt inadequate for something, you know? You felt that inadequacy? Like, I felt, I feel inadequate to even come up here and speak to y'all. But, 
you know, it's not the way it is. You know, God just, you know, God, God uses us in different ways. And, uh, man, I tell you what, this morning I was just sitting there toying over what in the world does the Lord want me to share with you all today. And it's really difficult. It's difficult to share what's in my heart, what I feel with y'all, because uh, it's just a difficult thing. Because, you know, I'm, I want to share with you about being passionate about souls. And I just, for some reason, even though I'm absolutely passionate, you know, you can ask anybody that's around me very long, I'm the boringest person you could ever come into contact with because all I know how to talk about is the, the, you know, what I talk about, which is winning souls, reaching the world. And, you know, you get around me for about an hour, two hours or something, you've heard everything that you could hear from me, <laughs> you know, and very soon, you know, and it's the same time. Every time you're with me, if you were, like, if you went to McDonald's daily with me in Manila, that's all you'd hear about. And you just hate being around me. Literally. I'm the boringest person I know. Because, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bore you to death. <laughs> so what, what am I doing here today? I'm going to bore you to death. <laughs> I got, uh, there's something that I want to share with you. But I think probably the first, no, don't wait on that. I'm going to share with you something. I, I, the Lord just spoke uh, a scripture to me. And I don't have any idea where he's going to take this. You ever done that, Dorman? You know, God gives give you a scripture and you read it and you're sitting there thinking, oh, oh wow, well, that's great and everything, but you don't know really where he's going to go with it. And it's in um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. The greatest gift. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become as I become sound. I have become sounding brass or a chain, clang, uh, clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could re- remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. So what is love? You know, we think of love as, you know, you love your wife, you love your kids, you love all these people around you and all the, all your friends, all your church members, all your brothers and sisters in the Lord. But, you know, what's true love? You know, God loved us, each one of us, in a very, very special way. You know, He loved me back when I was... An addicted gambler, dope-smoking hippie kid, you know, back way back there. Yeah, I'm 66 years old, so I remember all that. But he loved me just the way I was. You know, I mean, he didn't love a sin, but he loved me. He loved you just the way you are and the way you were. So what is love? You know, and I think about... All the forgot, you know. There's a there's. I've I've spoken on this before, and I I think I've spoken here in this church about the forgotten person. We 
who is the forgotten person? The forgotten people are the people right in front of your face. It is the, one, the ones that we come into contact with on a daily basis, our insurance men, our grocery store checkout lady, all these people that we come into contact with and we never share Christ with them. We never invite them to church. We don't talk about God around them. Why? Why do we not do that? Is it because we don't love them? No. You do love them. But a lot of times you don't know what to say, and that causes you to have a fear of rejection, and so you just don't share your faith because you're afraid. See, the number one thing reason people don't share their faith is because of fear of rejection. And the number two thing is not knowing because they don't share their faith because they don't know what to say. You say, well, Tony, you know, I'm a Christian. I've shared my faith before and stuff. But, you know, on a daily basis, we get these opportunities all the time. How many of you know that you have an opportunity every day of your life to share the Lord? Every day. Why aren't we doing it? Why aren't we doing it? It's nine times out of ten, it's because we don't know exactly what to say and we're afraid we'll upset somebody or make somebody (laughs) mad at us. And so we just let things go. And pretty soon we get callous. How many of you have been callous in your life? Hey, I could hold both my feet up and my leg, you know, my feet up and my hands. And all my fingers, all my toes how callous I was, 20 years in real estate, or 30 years almost in real estate. And when I first got into real estate, you know, I was pretty pretty bold because I was just a brand-new born-again Christian, and I used to witness and buttonhole people all the time. And you make a lot of people mad. The way I'd win somebody to the Lord is I'd wear them out. <laughs> yeah. I'd talk to them and talk to them and talk to them until about two and a half hours goes by, you know, and they finally say, they say, calf rope. I'll, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll pray anything. Just let me out of here. <laughs> Any of you been there? <laughs> you know, and that's, but then after a, a time, if the person didn't say, listen, Tony, uh, I need, I need to know what, how to be born again. Can you tell me? If they didn't say something like that to me, I wouldn't witness to them. It's rare. Or, you know, once in a while in my office, God would tell me to share with somebody, and I'd share with them, even though there might be a deal pending on that thing. Every one of you have had those, those same things happen to you. You didn't share when you should have, and sometimes you did share. You know, it's just, but we're not sharing enough. Amen? That's why there's so many lost people on the planet right now. The body of Christ is not sharing their faith enough. Is that an amen or an oh me? It's kind of both, isn't it? Amen, that's right. Oh me, that we're doing it. And so, you know, 
the other scripture that comes to mind in this is that greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for a friend. So the greatest love you can do is to lay down your life for a friend. You, name, you may not be the... You know, when we go to the Philippines, or when we're in the Philippines, we're training pastors in a very powerful evangelism tool. And they take it back to their churches, and they train their people with it. And then their people get out and win a lot of people. The churches just grow phenomenally. See? And that could happen here. It could happen. It's not going to happen to the same degree it is in the Philippines because it's a different culture. You're dealing with different things. But you could still have more evangelism going on than is going on. Amen? But what you can really do, you know, all of us have different degrees of, and different talents and different abilities and some of us don't see ourselves as uh, soul winners, more as sowers. How many of you? How many of you feel like you're more of a sower than a soul winner? You know, we we've we've seen countless times where people felt like that they they've never won souls or anything, and they come in there and go and train in the school, and then the next thing they know, they're just winning people right and left. And the we found that the the only difference between a sower and a reaper is the sickle. The sickle is the, the tool that you use. You know, if you take a sower that's out in the field and you hand him a sickle and tell, show him where to cut and how to cut, he can reach down there and grab a hold of that thing and he go, Whoosh! and if the, if the tool's real sharp, he can do it. So any of you that are sowers, any sower can become a reaper just by picking up the tool. But you've got to have the tool. Amen? Yeah. One thing I want you to know, a lot of people sit and feel, con- con- they feel condemnation when they're around somebody that wins a lot of souls. They, they, get, they feel condemned because they don't do it themselves. But don't feel that way because not everybody's the same. The thing is, you can support some you can support people that are doing it. You can be as much of a soul winner as they are. You know, I'm here. I've been here for two and a half months nearly. And uh the class that last week's class, they had nineteen students and this is in our school. They had nineteen students and they won like thirteen hundred people to the Lord. During the, during the three days of the class. 1,300. Now, I wasn't there, was I? I didn't have anything to do with that other than that's my school and the people, that, the, everybody works for me there. But I didn't physically do that, did I? But it happened anyway. And I got a piece of every bit of that action through eternity. As long as those, all, all 19 of those people, they were trained in my school... As long as they go, as long as they win souls, there may be a Billy Graham or two in there, but I get a piece of every bit of that. And everybody that sows into me, that sows into our ministry, gets a piece of that. You just have no idea how much you're, you're missing if you're not sowing into souls. You know, sowing into the... You know, it says, uh, what is that scripture, Kelly, that... Um, come on up here. 
for a second. Come, come up here. You, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Come on, baby. A scripture that uh, about lay up not yourself treasures on earth. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, but lay for yourself, lay up for yourselves treasures, treasures in, in, in heaven. heaven. Where moths uh, don't eat and the rust doesn't get to it. Yeah. 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 And you remember what you you remember what you said about those guys in the jeepneys? Well, on, <laughs> Go ahead. In my, on the on the way, uh, it was after a service. Uh, we were on our way home uh, there in Manila, and we were passing by a, a jeepney, which is uh, one of their kind of like a kind of like a a bus, but not exactly <laughs> uh, public, public transportation. transportation. And it was just packed to the rim with with people, and the Lord Lord spoke to me and said, uh, uh, "Look, Callie, it's a treasure chest on wheels," and and He just shared with me that I mean that's uh, that's the treasure you can take with you. I mean you can't you know you can't take anything else to heaven, but you can take men's souls with you, and that's that's what He treasures. That's that's His treasure. And so now I never look at a in a jeepney the same. I mean, I have this picture of this treasure chest on wheels just going. So, <laughs> but that was his heart that um, you know that that's the treasure we can take with us. <laughs> yeah, amen. Isn't that good. In other words, you know, the people, the the souls are like jewels, and that's the only thing you can take. You can't take gold and silver. You can't take your house. You can't take your prestige of your job or, you know, all the things that you were in life. You can't take none of that with you. You know, you're going to go buck naked into heaven. (laughs) Glory to God. But you know what? You can send jewels on into heaven way before you can do that. You know, because the only, only only treasure I know of that you can take to heaven is the souls of men. The souls of men. And we don't want to become callous to that. We got to make it a priority in our life. That's what I'm saying to you. You know, greater love hath no man than to lay down his life for a friend. You know, what does that mean to us? There's so many different ways of laying down your life. You can lay down your life and go, you know, one of the things that people have to do in Manila these pastors have to do. They come come and stay in our mission center for three days. And they have to lay down their life because, you know, when they get there, I tell them to turn their cell phones off, and I have them for three days to put in them as much as I can, put the weapons of warfare in their hands so that when they leave there, they go back to their churches and they do the battle. And, you know, those churches grow from... 40 or 50 members to 1,000, uh, 1,200 members over 12-month period, 13 months. Sometimes they have they plant three or four churches in a year. You know, there's many of them that plant many, many churches because they don't have, you know, they don't have the room to hold all the harvest. That's one of the things that the Lord said to me. He says, in the end times harvest, and we are definitely in the end times harvest. We're definitely there. You better face up to that. He said in the end times harvest, he said there's going to be so many fish that you have to give fish away. 
And some of these pastors, that's exactly what they've had to do. They, they catch so many fish that they have to give fish away. I had a pastor recently. You want to hear a couple of three stories? I had a pastor. He come. I went to his church, and I had been there preaching about five years, six years ago, something like that. And he had never taken the class or anything. And I went over there and spoke to him, and I invited him to come. And so he came to the class, him and his wife, and they trained. They went back to their church, and they were very enthusiastic in the school, and I knew they would do really well. And so they go back to their church, and they, uh, we teach them not to train more than 10 people. Not in, not in the Philippines, because 10 people will win 400 to 500 people per month, if, just with, the, with what we tell them to do. Now, that's, that's not going to happen in the U.S. the same way. You know, it's just a different different thing. We got more fish over there to catch, twenty four million, in just right there in Manila where I live. That's a little bigger than Hereford, <laughs> right? And uh, so, with that many people, ten people in your church, they got fifty members. They've got sixty seats in the church, and they go out and win hundreds of people. Even if they get ten percent of five hundred, that's fifty new members. Automatically, right off the bat, the first, one, the first training they do, they're going to have 50 members within three or four or five days added to their church. So they got a problem going in. they got problems. And uh, I'm serious. And so this pastor, he goes back to his church and he invites his people because they're a very enthusiastic group. 32 showed up for the training. And he went ahead and trained them. You know, which is what I told him not to do. I said, it's going to overrun you. So that was on a Saturday night. On Sunday morning, his place was so packed, they had to open up the mezzanine, which was upstairs that they'd been using for people to spend the night there that worked in the church, in the school. And they had to open that up just to get the people in. And it packed, packed the place out so bad that they couldn't have any more evangelism exercises. They just did one exercise. They just did one practicum, went out, won 300-and-something people in one afternoon, about two and a half hours of witnessing with those 32, and it overrun their church. Now, wouldn't you like that to happen right here at, <laughs> at uh, New Registra- Re- uh, Restoration? Wouldn't that be nice if that could happen? But you know what? Uh it won't happen like that, but it can still be more than what you're experiencing. You know, God wants to do some big things. He wants to do it right here in the United States. But I don't know when the timing's going to be. It's not right now, you know, because uh, it's, it's happening over in the Philippines right and left. And you can help make that happen. You can help make that happen. You know, by being a supporter, by being a partner in that. I want to show you a video. Now, y'all saw a video about a year and a half ago. This is just a little, we've done some tweaking on that video, and it's just really a good video. I think you'll really enjoy it. One of the things that's on that video is these pictures of these people winning people to the Lord. And I hope that really tears at your heart because I want you to think about what those people are thinking, you know, that when they're being shared, the Lord's being shared with them. 
I want you to think about what they're hearing. They're hearing the Word of God, and they're sitting there astonished. People are astonished. We forget what it was like to be lost. We really do. You know, we're sitting out there, and there's so many people out there in your daily lives that are around you that are lost and going to hell. And uh, there's got to be some answers to that. And I think, you know, training in evangelism is one of them. That's one of them. Then you've got to train yourself to uh, go and make the contact. Amen? But uh, anyway, I want to show you the video. Have you got... of uh, 1999, or 97, it was 97 one, no, 90, yeah, October of 97, yeah, in October of 97, Kelly and I went to the Philippines, this is right after I felt the call of God, or I acknowledged the call of God on my life, and we were, uh, they, it's like the Lord tossed me in there, and I was, we were uh, preaching at a pastor conferences, so I was preaching to preachers. And it was like being thrown out in the middle of the river and said, swim, because <laughs> I felt, you know. I mean, I, first people I was really preaching to in the ministry was the pastors. And so, but anyway, I got off that trip, and I and I got in the plane, and I was sitting next to Callie, and I told Callie, I said, Callie, I shall not return. I was adjusting the air con in the ceiling of the plane, and I said, I shall not return. I swore I'd never go back to the Philippines. And then uh, it was like, you know, six years later, we were there permanently. So anyway, uh, it's been a wonderful uh, 10 years, you know, of being in the... We're, we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary uh, next March. And uh, it's been a wonderful time. And we've seen so many, many, you know, tens of thousands. And actually, it's been hundreds of thousands of people. And we don't even know for sure how many people, but it's it's been so many people uh, one to the Lord, so many churches planted, and you know, and and a, a full, um, you know, the Lord developed a a total training program. Uh, the stealth evangelism program originally just it was just a uh, a technique that God gave me five weeks after I hit the Philippines. You know, when I went to the Philippines, I thought. I, you know, the Lord had uh, 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 anointed me to do uh, to lay hands on people, and it, and it was more of a fire ministry, and I thought that's what I was going to be doing, is fire ministry and Holy Ghost, you know, that type of thing. And uh, five weeks after I hit the Philippines, the Lord just wrote this technique across my heart as I was speaking to my a maid in our mission center I went in and I was going to witness to her and so I sat her down and I had this big old bible that's not very stealth you know and I went in there sat down on her sat down at her table in her room and there's her and this other lady was uh this other that's still with us this other maid that was with us uh they were sitting there in their maid's quarters and I said, and I just looked at that girl, and I said, Marie, I said, uh, are you born again? And she said, no, I'm Catholic. And when she said that, 
I could see her, before she ever said it, I could see the words coming out of her mouth. And I knew exactly what she was going to say. You know, so when I said to her, I didn't have to develop a relationship with her because I already had one. But I just said, Marie, are you born again? And I could see her saying it before she said it. And that went on throughout that presentation, you know, when I was sharing, sharing the Lord with her. And I, I went to John 3, 3, or 3, verses 1 through 7, and I just shared that scripture through there where it says, unless you're born again, you cannot, this is Jesus talking, he says, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God and you must be born again. And I shared that. It's like God was just writing it in my heart as I was going. And I could, you know, I never had to memorize it or anything because it was just there. And that was the first time I'd ever done that. Now, that was amazing. I mean, that was a sign and wonder in itself because I had never used that scripture, never done, said those things. And every, every, I knew her answers before she gave them to me. I knew how she would answer me the questions. And so that was what the very beginning of Are You Born Again technique. And then uh, it has, that was like the Wright brothers' first flight. See, 10 years later, we're at the stealth bomber stage. See, we've evolved in 10 years to stealth evangelism program. And the program is not just a technique, but you teach the pastors what to, you know, how to teach it, the standard, to, you know, what's, what they have to do to get it in the people, and then what to do after they've uh, trained a group. See, after they've trained a group of people in their church, now what? You just turn them loose and forget about it? No, there's a, there's a program. And, uh, and when those pastors follow that program, they win four to 500 people with 10 people. They win four to 500 people a month. It's amazing. It just blow your mind, you know. <laughs> and it always, it, the pastors, you know, I don't know if you remember that one guy says, you've cha- it's changed my life forever, you've changed my life forever. We hear that every, every two weeks when we do the program. And right now we've got uh, invitations to go to I don't know how many cities that are away from Manila, you know, places, other islands. Uh, down in Mindanao, they want us in Davao. I'm supposed to do a conference down there on in August, and they want us over in Palawan. They wanted me over there for two years. We've just been waiting on the funding. You know, if we had lots of money, can you imagine the numbers of souls that are, you know, and these people are just waiting on us. These souls are just waiting on us to get this to them. You know, the souls of men. I mean, guys, you got an opportunity to be a part of that. You know, you sow. You know, it's like I said, I'm not there, but it's, ha- it's still going on. You're not there, but if you were sowing, you are there. You're, you're there with your fun. You're, you're the supply lines that makes the army move forward. If you don't have the supply lines, the army can't go nowhere. And, you know, Kelly and I came back for that to to raise support here in America, you know. And it just, you know, the, the, Lord, the Lord spoke to me about six years ago and told me not to itinerate anymore. And so we haven't. And we, ha- you know, you've seen us here because this is best. 
one of the few churches I speak in, and it's because of the relationship between Dorman and Jenna and, and us, y'all and us, and uh, y'all are one of the few churches we speak in because the Lord told us not to. He says, I'm going to show you my ways instead of your own. And so we've sat over there kind of just waiting on the Lord because I used to come back every year and speak in about 60 churches or so and just wear myself out for three months. And instead, now I'm able to stay over there and do the work. And we've just been able to maintain, not only maintain, but we also, that mission center was put in our life about three and a half years ago. God brought that into our life. And, you know, that mission center just does a whale of a job. Do you all have any questions about that? Because, you know, we got that mission center three and a half years ago, and we've trained, we're training about 50 pastors and leaders a month out of that mission center. And I could double that if I had the funds to, to do more uh, mobile missions where we go into other places and do it. And I, it doesn't take a whole lot of money to do a mobile mission. You know, we we can get to a, go to a location. For instance, if I go to Palawan, it'll take about $1,000 to go over there and train probably 100 to 150 people, 150 pastors. And then they'll go and they'll just win that whole island. And there's maybe 500,000 people on that island. And, you know, you go over there and train 150 people and they just they just take the fire and run with it. And that was one of the prophecies given over Kalina years ago that there were, the fire would be just jumping from island to island to island to island. And I, all we got to do is be able to go there and get on that island and we'll start that fire. I, I come back here on this island and try to get a fire started. It's just not time yet. It's not time. They're not, you're not hungry enough. <laughs> Something's not hungry enough here to make it happen. There's too many mindsets to even get it started. So God's, you know, God's got to work that timing out. But, but believe you me, we're coming here. We're going to bring it here. And it's going to be soon. Amen? Amen. I mean, hey, guys, are we going to let the, the enemy just take this place away? No, we're not. We're not going to. And I want to tell you something. I know good and well. It's like I said a while ago. It's not because you don't love people. I know you do you got the love of Christ in your heart. You do love them. Amen? But, you know, as a salesman, I was in the car business. I want to give you an illustration. I was in the car business for, oh, goodness, ten, five, seven or eight years back in the early 70s. And I, w- I was at this dealership down in Lubbock, early on, and uh, I, wor- I worked at this dealership for about two weeks. It's all I lasted. <laughs> but they were wanting me to sell new cars. And so, you know, here, I don't know how many of you know much about me, but I'm, I'm a very aggressive person. Really? Yeah. I don't have to tell you that. Uh, but I was very aggressive. And this guy, this... this um, uh, dealer, this uh, manager of this deal, you know, he kept griping at me and he said, why don't you get out there and wait on them? And, you know, I was just so reluctant to go wait on those people because I didn't know the product. I didn't know what I was selling. 
he took me in his office. He says, Tony, he says, you're not a salesman. You're an order taker. He said, you're an order taker. He sent me home. Fired me. Yeah. Well, it wasn't about two or three years later in Amarillo, Texas. I was the number one salesman in this city. Car salesman. And then I went on into real estate, and I, was, I, I became the number one real estate salesman in Amarillo, Texas. Was I an order taker? It's the same thing with soul winning, guys. You got to know what, you, what to say. You know, sure, you know, the Holy Spirit can lead us to lead people to the Lord. But I want to tell you, when it takes you two and a half hours to win somebody to the Lord, I'm telling you, and they're, they're, they're just crying calf rope instead of... You know what I mean by calf rope? Y'all are in Hereford, Texas. How many of you taken people to the calf rope stage with your sharing? Most of us. You know, we'd have to wear them out. But especially somebody like me. Because I'm just... But once I got a hold of them and knew the product, man, I, 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 I did it to it. I guess that's why God called me right there in that seat, you know, 15 years ago. Called me in the ministry. It wasn't because of my... And it wasn't because of my abilities either. You know, because God didn't call me for my abilities. He called me for my availability. And he'll do the same thing with you. He'll, you know, he'll use us however much we're able to avail ourselves to him. He'll use us. Whatever we're willing to give to him. If we're willing to give everything, then he'll use us that much. Amen? You know, when I, was, when I got in real estate... Or when I was in real estate, I had 60% market share. I was making nearly $200,000 a year. And I had to lay all that down and go in the ministry. <laughs> so, you know, and he knew, I guess he knew that. He knew I did. And Kelly and I sitting in our beautiful house out there at Lake Tanglewood, and I just crying my face out, you know, in our bedroom. <laughs> That that place was so much in my heart that I told Kelly, I said, bury me on the hill behind the house. You know, like John Wayne, bury me on the hill behind the house. That place, that, place that my job, everything, was so much in my heart that, you know, I wanted to be there until the day I died. And God burned that out of me. You know, all you have to do is look in the face of God and He'll try to make everything else Hail to it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I'm really scared for the U.S. When I say scared, I'm just disgusted with some of the things going on here. Politically and otherwise, it just may how our nation is just being torn apart, and I'm worried about it. But I do know the answer: get them saved. Get them saved. 
It's a simple answer. Come all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, my yoke is easy. My, my burden is light. If you just do what I tell you to do, the Great Commission, then everything will be easy. Come all ye that are heavy laden. I mean, we just got to get the gospel into the hearts of these people. You know, you think you just, everybody's gospel, you know, that everybody's heard. I know everybody's probably heard the gospel in the United States, but not everybody's responded. So we got a big job in front of us. Amen? Well, guys, you know, the Lord told me that if we win the Philippines, we win the world. So you want to win the United States of America? Help me win the Philippines. You want to win the U.S.? Help me win the Philippines. Those Filipinos will evangelize this world. They really will. There's 10 million of them abroad right now, and hopefully maybe 20 million. And that, it, that's taking a really bad thing and making it good. 20 million within the next 10 years. And if we have 20 million people out there, all of them with the Lord in their heart, or as many of them as we can possibly get born again, if that nation is born again, then they will reach the world. They will be the living epistle known and read of him. As that prophecy was on there, they will be the living epistle because every one of them that go abroad will be born again having the Lord in their heart. They will walk into these other nations with the Lord in their heart. Right now there's a million Filipinos in Saudi Arabia right into the heart of Islam. And there could be two million of them. Or three million. I mean, those Filipinos, they just, it's amazing. Uh, uh, Eric, that's what a Filipino looks like. Stand up. That's a Filipino right there, through and through. <laughs> and my, my grandson's somewhere here in the building, so. Anyway, Eric's my son in law, he's married to Felicity. And uh, we he's uh, we've got a tech subpoena for a, a grandson. Tell him about Crystal going. Oh yeah, Crystal, stand up. Crystal's moving to the Philippines with us. Now Crystal has been with uh, Western National Life, and she's she is huh huh what? Okay. Anyway, she's with Western National Life. She's been in uh, uh, what what is your position there? The she takes escalated calls and stuff for Western National Life, and she's really good at it. They're going to miss her, and she's also got bookkeeping. Uh, she she majored in bookkeeping at uh, LS LS. What's the name? LCU, LCU there in Lubbock, and so we're going to use her. She's going to help us organize some things there at the school. God's really putting a team together, you know. We've got Steve Hill over there in our schools. Steve Hill and his wife moved. How many of you know Pastor Steve Hill? You met him. Pastor Steve Hill and his wife, they have seven boys, and they moved to the Philippines this last year to be part of our organization. And uh, Steve's just amazing. And the Filipinos just love him. He's six foot six. He's a tall one on the video. He's on the video several couple of times. But Steve is uh, six foot six, you know, on the average Filipino down here like that. Matter of fact, when uh, when they're taking pictures of him, 
you know, up standing with their diploma. Once in a while, he'll go down there and he'll, a real short Filipino, he'll go down there and kneel down. And they are head, with him kneeling down, it, it, they're just like that. It, it always makes them laugh big, <laughs> you know, because uh, he'll stand beside one of the little gals, you know, that that's about 4'11 or something. And between his knees, just his knees to his head, he's four foot eleven. So it's kind of funny looking. But God's put that organization there. If we can win the Philippines, we can win the world, and that means the U.S. too. Because you know you got about five million Filipinos in America right now. And if we can get them all born again, you know they can be living epistles. All of y'all are living epistles. If you have the Lord in your heart, you're a living epistle. And so, you know, that's what we're in the—that's uh, what we're in the business of doing—is making living, living epistles, <laughs> living stones. Amen. And uh, anyway, any questions? Anybody got a question? Any questions? Well, listen, we got. Uh, we passed out these envelopes, and it's got a little, or actually we passed out the brochure. Inside the brochure, there's an envelope, <laughs> and if you want to partner with us, there's a place that you can fill out on there, and make sure and put your email address if you've got an email address. If you want to be on our, our mailing list, our email mailing list, put your email address and turn that in with us and we'll stick you on the our uh, monthly email list too and those of you that would like to partner with us monthly in in reaching all these people for the lord just uh, fill that out and put in whatever you want to give monthly and you can do that and you can also put your gift to you want to have them no we'll put the box and I'll give you a check. okay okay well i'll let dorm dormer why don't you get up and you share whatever you want to share <laughs> Pastor, excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Visit this place right here. What God is doing is He's re-anointing and refreshing the birthing stool. The what? The birthing stool. Oh, yeah. And the same anointing that General MacArthur left in the Philippines, you've been extended the same grace to pick up that anointing. See, he got cut off by the political system, but you have picked that thing up. And you have ran with it. See, you decided that you weren't going to return, but you did and you stayed. So I declare in Jesus' name that there's some angelic intervention coming y'all's way. Hasn't right been maybe right time for it, as you said, but the time is right now. So just don't be concerned with who you entertain because you are going to be entertaining angels unawares. And see, they're the ones that are bringing these extra finances to what you need to do. Mm-hmm. See, this anointing that Japan had during World War II of island hopping, you've just stepped into that in Jesus' yeah. name. Mm-hmm. 
You have stepped into that. And you're ready for it. It's time. You're equipped. Your heart has been prepared for it. And I declare this increase and abundance in Jesus' name. And we thank you that it is just a ministry, not only of evangelism, but a ministry of grace. And a ministry of the freedom of our Lord. You are helping to relight the lampstand in that part of the world where the lampstand of God got burned out. So wherever you go, look for manifestations, not only of souls, but of fire. Look for the, yes, look for the fire in Jesus' name. Amen. I felt the fire go right down my back when he said that. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you for Tony, Callie. We thank you for the whole ministry team there. We thank you for what we've seen personally there. And we know, Father, your hand is on it, and it's going to expand. And we thank you for them, and we ask your blessings to be on them in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.